Welcome to the special Clock Talk Live in London, where we capture the magic, ideas, and experiences of the 2022 Clock EMEA Summit. I'm your host, Jen McCarran. I'm on the board of directors at Clock, and I lead the Netflix legal operations and technology team. Welcoming a very special guest into our studio, Mike Naughton. Welcome. Hey, Jen. Glad to be here. Nice to have you. And welcome to your first ever live podcasting experience. I think this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Yeah. So you hear my voice, you hear your voice in the cans, and it creates this, the tunnel just starts between us, which it's conversational intimacy at its peak. Would you agree? Reminds me of, there was an old show called Get Smart. Yeah. And they had the cone of silence. Yes. And they'd have this plastic thing. It never worked but it would descend over your heads and so no one else could hear what you're talking about. Wait, so that's exactly it. We're on this podcast in a cone of silence with a few close friends listening later. This is great. Yeah. It's like a mind meld. It's a mind meld. It's really something. And you and I have, we'll get into who you are and where you've come from and why we know each other, but we've nerded out about gear since the start. Yeah. It started with cameras. Yeah. Then it went audio, video, back to audio. We're always riffing on mics. Microphones, no pun intended, riffing on mics with a mic. <laughs> but microphones, we're both obsessed with the same vlogger, Casey Neistat, and his storytelling prowess. He's just a genius. Can I tell you about my new tech? Yes. What do, you, what do you got? So I discovered this company in America called Shit, S-C-H-I-I-T. Yes. And what does Shit make? They make these amazing amplifiers and DACs. Is that German? <laughs> I think it's German. <laughs> Well, that's the joke on their website that they're actually an old German name, but they're actually just this crew out of California of all places. And they do the manufacturing in Texas. So American made beautiful, beautiful sounding stuff and really, really reasonably priced. So for you and me, that's the kind of thing that gets us really excited. Yeah. Audio, anything and voice engineering, engineering, audio, anything. That's just my latest passion and what happens when the lights go down after hours in Jen McCarran Studios. I'm engineering it all. Well, I think we both have a fantasy of being a late night FM DJ. I think just, so. Yeah. We're sounding pretty darn close right now. I think so. Yeah, yeah I like right. It. I, like I mean, it. what do you think about your radio voice? Well, you know, you can't judge your own voice. But you but can. I'll tell you, one of the happiest moments of my life was when I was in college. I went out for the student radio station, which was broadcast through the electrical outlets. It was AM broadcast through electrical outlets. It was so primitive, uh, right? Did you go to college in the 1800s? <laughs> Mike's 120, you guys. Pretty close. Yes. So I went out for the AM electricals through the, the dorm radio station. The reason they wouldn't broadcast it is they wouldn't want anyone to hear what students said off campus, right? And I tried out for it and I remembered they had me say something and... I saw the two guys running the station off out of the corner of my eye and I said something. The one guy gave a thumbs up to the other guy. I was like, ah, that's a nice feeling. Did you get it? Did you get the Yeah, game? yeah, yeah. It was fun. You did college radio? Yeah. Oh, but my I mean, God. No oh, my God. And the podcast still doesn't matter. <laughs> I write songs and publish them out into the streaming world. And I don't think anyone's listening, but I'm a musician and songwriter, damn it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. This is full circle moment for you. Have you been back on a mic akin to radio since? No. No, and wow. that, was, that was like a long time Instead, ago. Instead, you chose the illustrious career of a legal ops and tech person and manager. Yeah, but if I could be anything and get away with it, I think I'd be a DJ. I think that'd be just so fun. A radio DJ, picking the songs, talking people through them. 
that and the live DJ and the, live the DJ. crowd jumping. I just think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Now I'd, I'd only play my eighties songs that no one else likes. It's not a bad <laughs> era to draw from. No. It's possibly V one to draw from. Yeah. Well, amazing. You were my first real manager in legal ops. Yeah. You know this, right? Yeah. I showed up into Cisco via acquisition. Sure. I had a general counsel as my boss at the startup I was at, but he and I had a great deal where I could underperform and underachieve, but get the minimal set of tasks done as his legal ops person and go out on tour when I needed to for the least amount of money possible. And so I took it half serious, serious enough to get those benefits. But when I came into Cisco, he gave me the opportunity. He plugged me in at a very strong career grade level at Cisco through acquisition integration and said, Crossroads, if you want this and you want now's the time you go in there and you pretend like you don't suck. That's basically what he told me. And he's like, it's a wonderful company. They have the outfit that matches you and the problem solving and the tech. And I showed up on an early video call with you. And I'm like, oh, I can do this. It was you. Did you know that I was basically faking it till I made it? Yeah, I think I did. Steve Harmon, very smart guy, very tuned into people. I think he briefed me on you. It's like, there's this really smart person who does kind of weird stuff and she kind of does a lot of music and she's kind of like an admin, but she's not an admin. She can do all sorts of things. So legal operations was already the island of misfit toys. Yes. So you fit right in. And my management style, you know, is it's whatever's the opposite of micromanagement. I don't have the time or interest in telling people how to do everything and checking them because I don't trust them. So it just sets you loose and lets you do what you want to do and you do amazing things. We had some real fun there. I felt like you guys taught me how to fly. We flew. Yeah. We were up there. And one of the reach projects you challenged me with was you challenged everyone you manage, like do one thing uncomfortable every quarter. That's a complete outlier. And you said, you're going to make a video for something in your project portfolio. I don't know what it is. This guy over here made a video on how to use some kind of video conferencing equipment because that's what we were all using. And those were early days, VC equipment. And he made an instructional video and he narrated it and he animated basic with like a PowerPoint or something. And you said, you're going to make a video. And I went, what? And I waited for my quarter project. I waited, I think, two months, two weeks till I started the video. Do you remember tasking me with this? I do. I do. Because I remember... There's a lot of PowerPoint snobbery out there. People hate PowerPoint. I had a woman who worked for me who was a brilliant graphic designer, but she couldn't touch PowerPoint. And you made this animation with PowerPoint. It was like, holy crap, here's somebody who's good at visual design, who is using PowerPoint and using animations in a way that isn't stupid. It's actually amazingly good. It was very flipbooky. Yeah. I was a big Disney fan as a kid and seeing early footage of the flipbook. And I was like, wait, you can do this with PowerPoint. Yeah. And what just blew my mind was, you created this character. It was a little bit like a Dilbert character. And there was just so much personality in these videos that they were just riveting. And we the, named him Mark. Mark. <laughs> just fictional Mark. Even though we had a general counsel named Mark. Right. That was a total coincidence. Mark came up every video and we said, here's Mark. Yeah, Mark and needed Mark's help. Tra- Mark needs help <laughs> finding what legal entity before five o'clock on a Friday and his two week vacation. And then I had Mark windsurfing on the yeah. ocean. Yeah. 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 I mean, you talk about the storytelling. The storytelling was strong back then. And I mean, those were something people looked forward to is the Friday Minute yeah. video. And it was just, it was that way of digesting something new. And we'd show off things we built and get people's attention. It was a lot of fun. And actually, I remember after you left Cisco, I watched one. It was probably like six years old, five years old. 
And I was like, holy cow, this thing stands up. Some of them held up. We did big enterprise tool videos, like for the NDA tool, the approval workflow tool. And I would get messages on LinkedIn years later, like, hey, some guy wrote me years later, five years after I left Cisco, like, hey, I just saw your VAP video. And I have a question about VAP. I'm like, cool. So I'm six jobs later, but I'm going to go ahead and have you open a ticket with enterprise IT or legal apps. Thanks. But some of them really stuck around at a company like that. That's tens of thousands of views. I think when I left, VAP had 38,000 views. Wow. I never thought of it that way, but that really was. It's very YouTube. (laughs) It's like YouTube before YouTube. Yeah. Can you think we can stick like a monetization workflow in there? So I get a penny every time. No, it's too much. Well, I mean, the problem is, so my sons, my two younger sons, they're 12 and 14. And I mentioned somebody had like a million followers. Yeah. And he didn't care. Oh, they're totally unimpressed. They're like, they're like, well, we, the guys we watch is 200 million. It's entry level. It's yeah. It's table well, they're watching. They're watching Mr. Beast and, <laughs> right, and that exactly. guy is YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 2020 forward or 2015 forward beast is YouTube. And I watch it affectionately with my nephews so I can be closer to them. They're 14 and 12. You can just see how the world's being reinvented when it comes to media that a single guy like that is just taking down studios. And I mean, Beast, it's all storytelling Mm -hmm. as well and fast action, quick cut story. So fast forward, Mike, you and I worked together at Cisco. You left, you came back. That's right. I left. (laughs) It sounds like a dysfunctional relationship, doesn't it? And I just... (laughs) Sailed away to sea and said, good luck and echo chamber. Yeah. And then I went to Spotify. You left more recently and you're the head of marketing at a legal tech startup called Xmentium. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about storytelling in your role and how you're still on it. So all these stories, they have these long, long arcs. And then there's so kind of my Hobbit story is leaving my safe little hole in the ground at Cisco. And I've known this guy, Paul Lippi, for, boy, probably coming on a decade. Known Steve Harmon for probably coming up on 20 years. I bet Paul through Steve. And Paul and I had this kind of running conversation for years and years about how do you make contracting work? Because it's so broken. And we both hate CLMs. We both think it's just utterly wrong. It's wrong. No offense to anybody. No offense. We love all the CLM providers. They're nice people. But but something's wrong. The angle of attack is wrong. So Paul and I had this running conversation it was going on for years and I have always been attracted to startups. I love startups. I love the simplicity and really trying to solve one problem. And we kept talking about really language and what is the role of language and contracting. And when two big companies try to do something together and they're doing it through contract, what is the contract really? What's that all about? It was just this fascinating conversation. And then Paul had prior startups. He started a new startup around this idea of what took me a while to figure out what we call it. But it's a language collaboration platform because what are lawyers doing? They're collaborating on language internally and externally. I'm like, okay, this is really cool. And it's really different than what everyone else is doing. So I joined Xmentium. It was one of those things where like it went from talking about it all the time, informally, and not being paid while working another job to, yeah, I want to, I want to take a leap and go for this thing because it's just really exciting. Xmentium, I've seen the product and I've seen lawyers see the product. And it's the first time in a moment, in a while in my career in this, I'm 14 years in staring at lawyers, stare at things. It's the first time I've seen them go, oh, and get this look of excitement on their face. Like that's how I think in work. Had I only had that all this time, I, oh, 
I don't see that reaction ever showing them CLMs. I don't show them CLMs that much anymore. I learned that lesson at Cisco. We put our two to three CLMs. I was there for two and a half CLMs, rip outs and rebuilds, where we ripped out the third party, then we built it, then we built it again. We learned to not let the lawyers add it, to put great service layer ticketing function in front of it and keep lawyers happy and lawyering at their fingertips. In Microsoft Word, you're happy desert island. Now, you had to insulate the lawyers from these systems because the systems weren't made to help the lawyer. The system was made to turn the lawyer into a data entry clerk or some kind of admin. And I think the, we talked about the angle of attack being wrong. The angle of attack is some combination of if we could just turn this into an assembly line, if we could just get these lawyers to act like assembly line workers, or alternatively, if we could just figure out a way to take all the stuff they're making it and put it in a place where it was organized and then maybe run some magical AI against it, all the stuff that doesn't make sense would start to make sense. So yeah, lawyers don't like that because lawyers have good common sense and they went to secondary school and college and then well, they went on to law school outside of Europe. So they're well-educated and they don't want to be turned into some kind of data entry clerk slash assembly line worker. And it's a perfectly reasonable thing for a professional to feel. So where we try to meet them is Microsoft Word, because that's the tool they know and like and love. So basically, we put a sidecar on it, which gives them access to what they really want, which is a safe framework to do your job. So they get the guidance, they get the alternative language, it's at their fingertips, instead of bouncing around in all these crazy systems. Yeah, it's a real humanistic approach to tech that we can lose sight of in ops and tech roles. You think that you're going to say, here's the CLM solution. And all these features are available to you if and only if you leave the desert island, become someone you're not, lower your skepticism, be more optimistic, trust me, then all 27 features end to end will work. And that I've just died in all of that failure and I've been reborn. And fingertip solutioning is where I'm at in my career. And that's why I love the vision of what you're saying Xmenium is designing for. Yeah, I think that's a good way to characterize it. I think a lot of the time, and I've been guilty of this too, because I think when you love tech, you kind of get pulled into a technocratic mentality. And it's like, if only the lawyers would just be totally different than what they are, right? If I could just get you, and you kind of get this year zero Pol Pot kind of thing where it's like, we're going to take you out of the city and put you into the countryside and do horrible things to you because we're going to make things better. And no, it's nuts. It doesn't work. You got to meet people where they are. If you're a lawyer, you're in word. That's where we should meet you and be thinking about What do you need to make you be able to move faster without feeling oppressed, take some of the stress off, give you a framework that protects you? I think lawyers are incredibly exposed because they're making contracts all day long and one might blow up and they don't know which one. And one of my jokes years ago is is like being a coder, but you only run the code once every 10 years and then you find out what's broken. That's a pretty dangerous way to live. It's pretty dangerous. But look, there are places, we're not saying CLM, no. Like every company no, you need needs the CLM in its legal tech stack. That is foundational. Yeah. I feel it's more of a platform that underpins the legal professionals that are focused on contract and workflows and administration or management. It will help feed their trackers. It will help drive the life cycle. It will help organize and quicken the search process and getting the folks what they need. And I think it really serves for those things you want to do self-service. If you want to use an entry point into your CLM and go, here's your NDA business sales team, come grab this, fill it out and go. And it's a good tool to leave our lawyers alone. 
Yes. Actually, that's the best way to do it is you make the CLM way of keeping certain types of things away from lawyers so they can focus on the things that Maybe that should be the new tagline for all the CLMs (laughs) out there in the exhibit floor. I'm going to pitch them. CLM, leave our lawyers alone. Actually, I'd say that's a lot better than a lot of the taglines I see. It makes sense. Why am I not in marketing? Well, you are in marketing. I am in marketing. It's just in-house. Yeah, it's internal marketing. I mean, you have to sell your ideas internally, which in some ways is a lot harder. It's all marketing actually internally, but man, I want to come out and make funny pun branding taglines for products and then try to sell it. Well, the world needs more genuinely funny stuff because there's so much bad funny stuff. Yeah, I mean, shit. (laughs) Shit's audio. Well, you know, candidly, I bought an amplifier and a DAC off those guys. Because I loved their marketing so much. It had so much personality. It took a real point of view. And I think you, like me, we take a point of view. And we might be wrong. You might think we're full of crap. It's okay. That's okay. But we're going to take a point of view. And if you're going to be in legal operations and you're not willing to take a point of view, what are you going to be? You're going to be effectively a maintenance person doing document management. Yeah, with a low growth ceiling. The ceiling's right over your head. Yeah. And you're just not going to do anything fun or interesting. You've got to be willing to take some risk. If you're not willing to take risk, you shouldn't be in innovation. It's not a game for people who want to stay in their hobbit hole. Sage advice. Take (laughs) risks. Stand up. Take a point of view. And look, they're looking at us to take a point of view. That's why they're paying us. And it's okay. Guys, it's okay if it's a guess. I call it a hypothesis. And then do the scientific method behind it. And you either fail or validate your null hypothesis and then when you do either way, proudly and confidently, they're like, they're a genius. They're, <laughs> they're scientists. Well, I'll add one thing to that that I think is really important is your cycle time of your experiments needs to be short. And that's the problem with a lot of these enterprise systems. People go in, they go two-year project. And by the time you get to year two of investment, that's when the GC gets tired and people start cutting budgets and people start disappearing. It's too late. It's not the standalone quick win that doesn't get you anywhere, but it's incremental Try something, prove it, show the value, do it again, do it again, do it again. Small as possible, small and controlled is beautiful. It. And if you can prove it on a micro level, better chances for going to the macro level. Exactly. It is actually science. <laughs> all in all, Mike, thank you for jumping in this room. Oh, what a treat. Impromptu today and riffing on all things marketing, storytelling, and legal ops hot tips. We'll see you out there. Thanks, Jennifer. It was great. That about wraps up this episode of Clock Talk. You can catch this and other episodes of Clock Talk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Until next time, 